You're listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. You can follow along with the notes for this message and get better connected with our church by visiting church2911.com connect. This summer at 2911, we're looking back at some of the iconic movies of the 1980s. This week, we're traveling to 1985. This is Back to the Future. For those of you that didn't know, just a few fun facts about this, uh, this movie. Uh, Michael J. Fox rides a skateboard through most of it. This was, uh, when this came out in 1985, that was the beginning of the skateboard movement, and a lot of people credit this movie for helping spread the popularity of skateboarding. It became a huge thing that, of course, you know, and so, especially you younger guys, you can't remember a time without skateboards, but back in 1985, that was, that was kind of a cool thing that kind of set the tone for that. There was a lot of cool things about the movie, but um, I tried to find a DeLorean this week to drive through the door, because Kyle and I were like, that would be so cool if we, I couldn't find one. Um, and so then I was going to ride a skateboard out here, but uh, my insurance and the Civic Center's insurance thought that would be better if, if I didn't. So, um, but, uh, you know, and, and watch this movie. There was a lot of cool things. The, the thing that stood out at me the most is to think about the fact that time is kind of a funny thing. Um, I don't know about you guys, but am I the only one that it feels like about three weeks ago we were having our Christmas service in here? I mean, it just kind of feels like that was just a few, maybe, you know, like a month and a half ago we were having our uh, uh, great pumpkin bash out there. You know, I mean, just it seems like time flies when, uh, uh, when, when, when I'm doing some of the mentoring stuff with some of our couples and things. Uh, I tell them that your kids, they're babies right now, but, uh, and, and, you know, Larry, you know, in about, in about, three, in about three years, they're going to be 25 years old and moving out of, the, I mean, it's, it's amazing how time flies like that. My kids are 26 and 28. Uh, I, I had them when I was 10 and, uh, and 12, but, uh, you know, and, and so, but you know, it, it seems like that because time is just, it's just one of those weird things, and, and, you know, I don't know about you, but as I look back over, uh, over my life, there are so many things that I was always so busy looking for the next milestone or for the next thing coming up that I missed out on so many things that were happening right at the moment. Um, when you're a kid, you're looking forward to being 16 years old so you can have, you know, so you have your driver's license and you get a little bit of freedom. And, and, and so you, you kind of miss out on some of the things that are going on because you're so busy looking there. And then, you know, you were 18 and graduating from high school and then you want to be out of college. Uh, if you didn't grow up in a real strict household like I did, then, you know, maybe you look forward to being 21 for some reason. I don't know. But, um, and, and so, you know, but, but there's always something. And, and I don't know about you guys, but even, even as an adult, I find myself looking forward to things that I sometimes forget to stop and enjoy where I'm at right now. And, and, and the things, and sometimes God speaks to me and he's like, you know, I, I have things for you to do here, not just there. And so, you know, I have things to do between here and there. And so, you know, that was kind of, that was kind of the, 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 the thing that really spoke to me as I watched this and I was kind of, you know, trying to, uh, trying to go back and, and, and pray and think about some of these things. And so um, I came up with three Three takeaways that I really want to share with you this morning that from going back and watching this movie um, that, that I think kind of spoke to me. And so maybe this morning uh, they'll help you out. The first one is don't discount how our experiences, how the things that we go through mold us, shape, help shape who we are. Um, we go through a lot of things, you know, through our life and, and, and we make decisions, we make choices. And, and we come out on the other side and, and while it may not define us and it doesn't have to, one choice doesn't define who we are, it does start to kind of help shape some of the things, the way we view things, some of the way we react to things as we go through this. In the movie, uh, one of the early things is George McFly, Marty's dad. When you first meet him at the first part of the movie, he's this 
He's this wimpy guy who's kind of scared, and, and, and he's really, uh, really mild-mannered. And you first see him, he's getting bullied by his supervisor, Biff, who you find out has been bullying him all his life. Biff is the big bully, the, the, the nemesis in this movie. And um, George is, is, is intimidated by him. He didn't know how to act, and, and he didn't know what to do. But as Marty goes back, and, and there's some things that we'll talk about a little bit later that affect George, and when he comes back to the future... George is a different. He's confident. He has things about him. And, and the entire thing changes. And even Lorraine, uh, Lorraine Barnes McFly, uh, this is Marty's mom. A at the beginning of it, she's, uh, now this is the 80s. They call her overweight, but, you know, she's like a supermodel compared to me. I mean, you know, she's like, uh, you know, she, she's not, but she's, she's heavier than she was in, the, uh, in some of the other parts. And so, but she's also, she's drinking all the time. She's an alcoholic. She's, you can tell she's just miserable with life. She's not happy. But because of things that go back and happen when they come back to the future at the end, she's different, she's healthy, her and George's relationship is completely different. Things happen because the experiences that happen in 1955 when Marty goes back that help shape who they are. And so, you know, we, we go through things like that, and, and, and we do that, and um, sometimes things come at us, and, and we look at experiences, they could look at some of the things that happened as, as God's punishment or God's man. Um, last week... My air conditioning went out. <laughs> you know, it was hot last week, for those who don't. And so, um, and, and it was, now, we, uh, I, I had done this, I was doing a little side project to, to raise money for, for some other things, and, uh, but all of that money ended up going to help, you know, get air conditioned because it was hot. And even though some of you guys that are, you know, are older, you know, around my age or a little older, we didn't always have air conditioning growing up. I'm used to it now, buddy, and I can't go back to not having it. And so um, now for me, it was easy. My, my, my godly, you know, man of God reaction was kind of, why me, God? Why do you hate me? What have I done this time? Luckily, I have a godly wife who said, hey, we made enough money on this little side thing you did to help cover some air conditions that, you know, God, God saw we had a need and God was going to help and do these things. And so, you know, she helped bring me back. But, but you know, we, we react like that when we have situations sometimes. We see it, and, and, and the first reaction, even somebody, I, I've been in church my entire life. Um, I've been in ministry for nearly 30 years. I, I've, uh, I, you know, I, I've, I've been in church. My, my, dad, uh, my dad was a deacon. My grandfather was a pastor. I was born in Saturday and on church on Sunday just about. I mean, that's, that's kind of, my entire life I've been there. But, you know, I still have those times that that's my reaction when bad things happen is that God must be mad at me. Um, some, some of it's my, I like to call it my Pentecostal baggage that I grew up with, you know, this, this heavy, you know, Larry, you know what I'm talking about right there. You know, it's this, but, but it's, also, it, it's, it's also that thing sometimes when we look at it as, you know, God's punishing me. God must be mad at me. There's a, there's a scripture I want to share with you. Um, first off, Eleanor Roosevelt made this great, uh, she made this great statement. We, are, we all create the person we become by our choices as we go through life. In a real sense, by the time we're adults, we are the sum total of the choices we've made. Man, I read that and it was like, I don't like that. I, you know, I, I'm the sum total of the choices that I made. That, that's, and, and, but if you think about it, you know, it's true. One choice, if you make a bad choice, it does not make you a bad person. History does not see Adolf Hitler as an evil person because of one choice that he made. He made tons of choices 
throughout his life, and especially throughout the time right around World War II, and he said he made choices that we view, and we view him as an evil person because of that. Mother Teresa is viewed as a great person, not because of one choice that she made to be a nun, or not just, but because she sacrificed her life to help others. Um, there are stories that she would actually go out and drag, she, she, she moved into, uh, into an area that was infested with AIDS when, when AIDS first came out, and she would go out and help these patients, drag these people who weighed twice as much as her to her apartment to nurse them back to help, to, to try to nurse them and try to help them to make their last days as comfortable as possible. This woman did, made choice after choice after, we don't see her as great because of one choice, because of a series of choices. And that's what Eleanor Roosevelt is saying, it's not one choice, good or bad, that we make. We are the sum of all the choices that we make. Some good, some bad, some great, some terrible, and all these things kind of cr help create who we are. And God, you know, as, as, we, um, as, as we go through this and we see these things, sometimes as punishment or see things that we go through as something terrible, there's a verse that God, God wants us to kind of see differently. First, Proverbs 19.20, take good counsel and accept correction. That's the way to live wisely and well. Not many people in here enjoy being told what they did wrong most of the time, okay? Um, if you are, you're weirder than I am, okay? And I'm weird. So, but you know, there, but most of us going through life, um, we don't like our spouse to tell us, there was a stop sign back there that you just missed, you know? I missed it. The cop missed it. I just, let's just let it right there, you know? Let's just, uh, let's kind of let that thing float right there, okay? You know, or, or, or we don't like to say, um, you know, you, the speed limit is 55, and you're going 65, you need to, I'm in the flow of traffic, baby, just sit back, we're good, you know, this is the, you know, we, we kind of want these things, we, we don't like to be told all the time what we do, you know, and yet, and, and it goes both ways, I mean, you know, because I don't like it, but I like to tell other people what they're doing, you know, it's just kind of, it's kind of the way it is, but Proverbs says, you know, accept correction and take good counsel, we need people in our life that are, that, that are telling us, hey, um, you know, you, you may need to do that. You, you need to be careful. Hey, you need to think about this before you do it. Are you sure you want to wear that shirt in public? These are things that, you know, we, we need good counsel. But there's another verse that, that to me goes even deeper, and it's Hebrews 12. It says, don't feel sorry for yourselves, or have you forgotten how good parents treat children, and that God regards you as his children? Dear child, don't shrug off God's discipline, but don't be crushed by it either. It's the child he loves that he disciplines, the child he embraces. He also corrects. God is educating you. That's why you must never drop out. He's treating you as dear children. This, this trouble you're in isn't punishment, it's training. And so for me, you know, in a situation like the air condition thing, it's easy for me to go to the fact that God is punishing me. God must hate me. But the truth of the matter is, God is trying to teach me, you know, if you follow the Dave Ramsey advice and you have your, you have your emergency fund in there, you got something to go with. Or, you know, hey, you've owned a house for a lot of years now. You're a big boy. You know your air conditioner is 25 years old. You probably should start planning that it might go out one day, dummy. You know, these are things that, God, you know, th these are ways that God, it's, it's, it's not punishment, it's training. And, and so sometimes we go through things that we, it's easy to see as God is punishing us. Or as the, if, if you're like me and you came up in that, in, in that Pentecostal uh, upbringing, then, you know, the devil is out to get you because he, you know, and so it's something that he's throwing. But you know what? It's not always the devil. It's not always God. Sometimes it's just stuff that happens. And while God's not throwing bad things at you, God is using it to train us because there's something he wants us to know. There's something he wants us to learn. And more importantly, there's something that we can help teach somebody else because of the experiences and the things that we go through that help shape who we are. And so I want to encourage you, you know, this is thing, something I got from, the, the, from, from this movie is that, you know, as we go through that and, we, and it helps shape us, 
understand that, you know what, this is an opportunity for me to learn. I can seek, you know, I can make a choice one of two ways. I can choose to say that I'm going to learn something from this. My mentor, Dr. Lastinger, that was, um, uh, he, he spoke in my life early in ministry and, and really helped shape who I was as a minister. You know, that was the thing he always said is that you can always take a nugget of truth from any criticism, from something that comes at you. Even if it's something that's just stupid and off the wall, if you really look, there's a kernel of truth in there somewhere that you can take if you learn how to do it. And for somebody like me who's, who's, a, who's a very word-focused word person, sometimes it's hard to do is to take the truth out of there without taking, all of the, without taking all of the venom and stuff that's sometimes around it. But to understand that I can choose to accept this. This guy, did a, this mentor of mine, he talks about growing up in a situation where uh, his parents were alcoholics. He, he, he lived in the, there was a time that he lived in a tent, and uh, there, were, there were holes in the ceiling as a young boy growing up. And he, he talks about all the things that he went through, and yet, instead of defining who he was, this man affected lives. There are ministers all around the world who were, who, who were affected by this man because he chose to, to not let those things define him, but rather chose to learn from them and help shape who he is so that he could become a great man of God. The second thing that, that I got out of this, I, I spent a lot of time on that first day, but I, I'm going to move on a little bit faster so I have some more time for these other. Uh, the second thing is that people will often misinterpret your actions. In the movie, uh, early in the movie, Doc Brown calls Marty to come meet him because he wants to show him his, his time machine that he's invented. And so he gets out there, and so as they're showing the first experiment, he puts his dog Einstein into the, uh, into the time machine. And he takes his remote control, and he's telling Marty, watch this, Marty, it's great. This is what's going to happen. As soon as it hit 88 miles an hour, you're going to see something spectacular. And so he gets on there. That sounds nothing like Doc Brown, but just play with me here. And so he goes through the thing, and he starts it off, and it goes, and sure enough, the car hits 88 miles an hour, and the dog and the car disappear. There's fire left on the road where the tires were. There's a flash and everything. And Marty's response is, you have just evaporated the dog and the car. You've destroyed it. What have you done? And, and, and he gets really upset, and he starts yelling at the doc. And the doc says, no, 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 no. You don't understand. I've sent it a minute into the future. Give it a minute, and it'll come back. And sure enough, a minute later, the car appears again. The dog is intact. But you see, many times as Christians, we do things, and, and we say things, and we go out, and, and, and we maybe even try to do the right thing. And there, I'm just going to tell you right now, there are people that are going to misinterpret what you do and what you say. They're going to take, you have the best of intentions, you are doing the right thing, but there will be people who will take it wrong, they will accuse you, and some of these people will even be Christians. And it's not going to feel very good. But understand this, John says that, uh, Jesus says in the book of John, if you find the godless world is hating you, remember it got its start hating me. This is Jesus talking. If, if you lived on the world's terms, the world would love you as one of its own. But since I picked you to live on God's terms and no longer on the world's, the world's going to hate you. When that happens, remember this, servants don't get better treatment than their masters. If they beat on me, they will certainly beat on you. That's an encouraging statement right there. <laughs> they hate me, they're going to hate you, so live for me. Any questions? You know, that's, that, that's not really the kind of thing we want to hear. That's not really that thing that really inspires us to do that. But God is just like, you've got to understand, they hated me because of, because of the message that I brought. They're going to hate you if you bring the same message. Now, I, I, I've heard it some a lot that, you know, the world will hate us because we're, they're going to hate us for God's sake. I, I just want to make this clear, and I've said this before, and, and, and uh, there are some people that the world hates not because they're Christians, but because they're jerks, okay? There are some times that we, sometimes we take our Christian duty and we do it really badly, 
and we do it with a mean tone. Brother Phil, uh, Rick tweeted uh, something from Brother Phil yesterday, and, and as soon as I saw it, I said, this has got to go into the message right here. This fits right here. He said, when a Christian sees a person on the ground, it is not our responsibility to tell that person you're on the ground. It's our responsibility to help him up. As Christians, so many times we want to tell people they're on the ground. We, 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 we see and we want to point out the things in their life. They have things going on in their life, and they're well aware that things aren't great. They're, so oftentimes they're miserable and got things going on. They don't need us pointing out the misery in their life. They don't need us reminding them that, hey, what you're doing is not, what you're doing is not, is not healthy. What you're doing is not something that's going to do. What they need is somebody to give them a hand out. What they need is somebody to, to, help them, to help them get up off the ground. And so as God, he's called us to be love. He's called us to speak love. He's called us to go out and to, and, and, and to do these things for people. He's called us, and, and, and you know, they're, they're, going to, they're going to misinterpret that love sometimes. And so it's up to us to make sure that we communicate clearly what we're trying to do. It's up to us to make sure that we tell them that, you know, what you're doing is, is you know, I know you know what's going on in your life. But you need to know that God loves you and God, God wants something better for you. You need to know that I'm telling you this not because I look. I've used this example a thousand times, and you guys are probably tired of hearing it, but you're going to hear it one more time. If I go to the doctor and he says, dude, you're fat, I'm going to find another doctor. Or I'm going to punch him and then find another doctor. If he says, Mr. Robinson, you probably need to lose some weight because your health issues, blah, blah, blah. You've got a wife. You've got kids, and you want to see them grow up. You want to see your son get married. You want to see these things happen. You've, you need to change your lifestyle. I'm going to receive that a whole lot differently than I do. Dude, you are fat. Whoa. Hey, careful with that table right there. You might want to sit on the floor. You know, if, 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 if I go in and the guy, it's the way that he talks, and it's the way that he communicates. He's trying to get his message. His message is not that I'm overweight. His message is this will affect you physically if you don't do something about it. Our message is not you're a sinner and a terrible person. Our message is God is love and he has something better for you. When I correct my kids coming up, the job is not for me to tell them you're a, you know, you're a, a, a terrible person who can't do, you know, you can't behave and can't do what I'm telling you to do. My message to them is that, my message to them is one that needs to be, you know what, that's going to hurt you but I can tell you something that's going to help you. I don't want you to get hurt. Let me do this instead. Let me help you do this instead. And so that's where it is that people are going to misinterpret, and we have to be so careful to make sure that we get God's message out so that we don't muddy it up so bad. There are enough people who hate the Word of God because, you know why? The same reason you hate Bible verses. I, can re I guarantee it, I could pull a few out this morning that would make all of us uncomfortable. Because there are things that the Word does that points out, and it does this right here, and it makes us, because there are things that when I read it, it's saying, you need to fix this. You need to fix this, because this is wrong. And it hurts, and they don't like it. And so if they're already going to be mad at us anyway, we really need to make sure that we get the message so that we can, we can do something positive with God's love and not just make them even upset and more upset and madder at us. Because this is something that God has. And the third thing, and this is kind of what it takes, and this is really, this is really the crux of it. And, and, and this morning, I, uh, in first service, I spent a lot of time on the first point, but some of it really fits in here. And so I, I wanted to take a little bit more time on this, on this third point today. Is that the actions that we take and the words that we do, small acts, can ripple through time. 
and make changes not just in our immediate, but they can change people's futures. They can change people's lives. They can even change their kids. I told you a while ago that in the early scene that, you know, things that happened to George and Lorraine in the past affected everything in the future. When they go back, not only were George and Lorraine different, but their kids were different. Marty's oldest brother in the past, uh, or the, the first scene, he had on a Burger King uniform and he said, I'm going to work. He obviously had been out of school for a few years. He was the oldest brother. I'm going to take a bus to work and he's going to work at Burger King. The sister's sitting there in a sweatshirt. She's talking about wanting a date. She doesn't have a social life. She's talking about trying to do things. She wasn't very popular. When he goes back to the future with these changes, not only did it change George and Lorraine, but it made a ripple that changed everyone's lives. The kids, the oldest brother's wearing a suit. And Marty said, what do you dress like that for? He said, I always wear a suit to the office. What's the matter with you? And the sister, is, she's well-dressed, and she talks about not only, not only does she have a, a social life, she has a job, she has things going on. The things, the changes that, that we make sometimes, it doesn't just affect the immediate. It can affect and make this ripple that goes through time. It can change a lot of things. There's, there's a fun one just at the beginning of the movie. Uh, we see as Marty's going up to the, uh, as he's driving to the mall to meet Doc Brown, you see the sign at the mall, and it's called Twin Pines Mall. Well, when he first goes back in time, he's being chased, and he's driving through, and he happens upon the Peabody Farm, who's the Twin Pines Farm, and he runs over one of the pine trees and knocks it down. When he comes back to the future at the end of the movie, the name of the mall has changed to the Lone Pine Mall instead of the Twin Pine Mall. This little thing made an effect. It changed, it changed history, this one thing that nobody thought about, the fact that he ran over a tree. It's kind of that butterfly effect thing, except a much better movie. Um, so anyway... <laughs> show, show the verse that I have up there, Tommy. Um, Micah 6, this is, if you read the beginning of this, uh, the question is asked, you know, he's talking, he said, would it, would it satisfy God if I, were to, if I were to sacrifice 100 oxen, if I were to take barrels of olive oil and pour on top, if I were to make this? He's talking about all these grand gestures. And Micah say, he says, but he's already made it plain how to live, what to do, what God is looking for in men and women. It's quite simple. Do what is fair and just to your neighbor. Be compassionate and loyal in your love, and don't take yourself too seriously. Take God seriously. You know, many times we, we, we ask that question, and we do the same thing that, that he's doing here. We use hyperbole and things, you know, what does God want from me? You know, does God want me to suffer with no air conditioning? Does God want? No, God wants you to treat people justly and fairly. God wants you to love people. He wants you to, he wants you to use common sense. Don't take yourself so seriously. Sometimes we, 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 we take ourselves, you know, um, I, uh, I firmly believe in that there's a book called The Five Love Languages by Dr. Gary Small. If you've never read it, it's a really good thing, especially, and when, when I do a lot of, you know, uh, with, with some of our, uh, our engaged and newly married couples, this is a book I recommend all the time. It changed my life. Early, uh, Gary Small says this, and, you, and um, I've shared this before, but it's, I, I think it's that important. There are five ways that people receive and give love. Um, they're uh, words of affirmation, uh, acts of service, Time, gifts, and there's a fifth one that obviously I don't have because I can never remember it. And so, um, uh, read the book. It's, you know, it's, 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 it's really good. And so, um, early in our marriage, I am, I, I am words of affirmation, like huge. That's, that's like my number one by far. My wife is acts of service. And, and so, early in our marriage, I spent a lot of time telling her what a great job she was doing, how I thought she was beautiful, how I thought she was doing things. She spent a lot of time making the house, cooking meals, doing things. She got upset because she was, I don't want to hear this stuff. I want you to do something, Buster. Wash the dishes, you know, do some laundry, 
get up and do something because her love is service and she receives it that way. Conversely, she's doing all these things and while I appreciate it, because mine is words of affirmation, I wanted to hear, man, I really appreciate all the work you're doing. Hey, I appreciate this extra thing, you know, because I, I, I needed to hear it. And so we, we weren't communicating, we weren't speaking the same language. And so it caused some strife early on. And as soon as we found this out, it, it revolutionized our marriage because we, we learned how to communicate. I learned that if I wanted to tell her I couldn't just use words, I had to use actions as well. And she had to learn that she couldn't use actions, but she needed to use words as well. And so for us, it, it changed us. Now for me, this is not just something I do in marriage. I do this in life. And I do this uh, in business. I do this as leadership because I understand that, that if, you, if you give or receive love in a certain way, then I could be telling you you're doing a good job all day long, but you don't, you know, if you don't speak that, if words of affirmation is not one of your top two or three, then that's not speaking to you. I'm telling you you're doing a good job. You're like, yeah, yeah, show me in my paycheck. Uh, yeah, you know, give, give me a better work environment, you know. Hey, you know, uh, it's, instead of doing that, why don't you, you know, why, why don't you help plan it a little bit better? Do the, you know, there's, there's, conversely, if you're, if you're acts of service and you're like really trying to do things for your employee and do that, you know, maybe they just need to hear they're doing a good job. You know, I don't know. And so, so here's the thing, these, these little things, when we begin to understand and take the time to get to know the people um, around us, then it can make a difference not only in that person's life, but in their, their future, because when they feel affirmed, they go home, and they're in a better mood for their family. When they're in a better mood for their family, it affects their kids, and it affects their spouse. And when they're in a better mood, it affects, you know, this kind of thing begins to ripple through time. We, uh, because words of affirmation you know, is, is one of my things. Words is not only something that really speaks to me and builds me up. And, and you know, you guys know, I, as my wife says, I like to be uncomfortably transparent up here sometimes. And, and so, um, you know, because words build me up, words tear me down quicker than anything. It's, it's just, you know, and the fact that I'm a, I'm a creative person who creative people are weird and wear their heart on their sleeves anyway, which makes me, like, really weird. Um, you know, it affects, and, and so these are things... Uh, I had a situation just last week that there was a, uh, um, there was a, 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 a job I had done. And so this person, we had a disagreement about something. that there was, a, there was a situation with it. And so I had to make a choice. And this was one of those choices that, that helped define, you know, helped build up who I am. And this has been, I make this joke a lot in, in, in marriage counseling that, um, you know, as a husband, I have a choice. I can be right or I can be happy. And so, um, you guys aren't, that's kind of, you, you, it's okay to laugh. My wife has heard this joke. She's not going to hurt me later much. And so, um, but, but you know, th there's a situation. You, you, you could be right or you could be happy. And, 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 and while there is some humor to it, it's a true thing because, you see, there are situations that if I'm in a disagreement, um, I have to choose, is this something that's worth fighting about or is this something that's not really that important and I'd rather be happy than be, than, than, than be right about this? And in this situation last week, I, I came to the conclusion that this person, my relationship with this person that I had the disagreement with, was more important than being right at this situation. And so I made the, I, I made the decision, and, 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 and my words were this, you're right, I handled this wrongly, I apologize. I hope we can get past this. I, wasn't wrong, I, I don't feel that I was wrong. But I felt that that particular situation, it wasn't important enough to stand and fight about it. I'd rather be happy than fight. And so 
Now, don't get me wrong. There are situations and things that are worth fighting about. But sometimes when we stand up and when we choose, this is not worth causing a fight in my family. This is not worth causing a fight in this particular situation. I can create an action that will ripple through time. I can try to create something that, that changes not just that moment, but it changes that relationship. Because there are times that, you know, uh, Jesus did nothing wrong. Jesus had no sin. But he gave himself and he died and took on my sin and your sin and all the things that we ever did wrong and all the things that we could ever do wrong. And he took it on himself to sacrifice so that we could be happy. It was more important for him to not be right at that moment, but for, to make it so that we could have life, we could be happy and have life and have it abundantly. And God is calling us to stand and to make a difference in our community. Now, understand, I'm not in any way this morning saying that we need to go out and, and just be, you know, tell everybody that the church is wrong and we're terrible people and we don't. I'm telling us that we stand and we choose truth. I'm telling us that, that there are a time and a place for us to stand and choose what God has said is to be true. The, the world is going to be upset with us, and sometimes the church is going to be upset with us. There was a, uh, last week, I, I remember seeing an article, the Kaylee Anthony court decision was made several years ago this past week or so. I, I remember seeing an article about it. And um, I remember when that happened. If you don't remember all the details, you can check that out later. It was a very terrible thing. And she was acquitted. She was accused of murdering her child. She was acquitted. Everybody felt she did it, um, but they didn't have enough to convict her. And so I remember reading some of the comments on social media after this. And it said things like, and, and these, were, they, these were people that I know, the people that I know love Jesus. And they made comments like, I can't wait for her to burn in hell to get the, to get the punishment that she deserves. God has got a special place to, you know, God, God has something. God will take care of her because of, and, and so it broke my heart to think that, you know, God sees sin as a terrible thing. And if she committed sin and if she did that and, and, and she, you know, whether or not, so I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not her judge. But God doesn't, God didn't create hell for people. And this is a theological debate, and we can get into it, and Pastor Rick will be happy to answer all the questions that I caused today, so uh, call him. So. Um, no, seriously, you know, this, uh, uh, but, but you know, this, this was not something that was intended to punish people. This was something that was to, to take care of the rebellion in heaven, and so, the, and that's another thing altogether, and I don't want to get into that. But here's the situation. We are not made evil by one choice or one thing. It becomes a series of choices and a series of actions and a series of things that does that. And God has called us not to judge people by their actions, but he's called us to love them because he loved us. And so this morning, the thing that I really took away from, from, from this movie is that I can, I can make a difference in people's lives. I can cause ripples in their life by loving people like God loved me. Because here's how God loved me. I grew up in church... Um, I, I did all this stuff, but I wasn't a perfect person. Uh, I, I don't remember ever, I, I, I never, never got drunk as a teenager. I tasted beer one time, and it was the nastiest tasting junk I ever tasted, so I spit it out, and I didn't do it. They told me I needed to acquire the taste, and I figured, why bother? If it tasted bad, why, you know. 
Um, and so, but that was me. Uh, I didn't do drugs. I grew up in a church. I, I, was, I, I was afraid. I was afraid to sin because my parents had me convinced that God was waiting for me to mess up so he could blow the trumpet, the rapture would happen, and I would go to hell. That was the, you know, that was the way it was. So I'd like to tell you I was a great godly person, but I wasn't. I was a scaredy cat that was afraid that, you know, I, I was going to get in trouble for that. You know what I'm talking about. And so, but there were still things in my life that weren't right. I had hatred. I had rebelliousness. I had things in my heart that God saw as sin. And that sin was every bit as bad as somebody else's sin that was out getting drunk or out doing other things every weekend. It was lust in my heart, and the Bible says if you lust after one of your hearts, you've already committed adultery. If you hate a person in your heart because of the color of their skin or because of some other reason, then you've already committed murder in your heart. This is what God says, not me. I told you I could make you uncomfortable with Scripture. And so the point this morning that I want us to get is that we can, we can change people's hearts. We can change people's lives. And Brent really hit on this last week, and, and for me it was a continuation this week is by being love and being God's love and understanding, beginning to, to take those things that, you know what, God loved me so much that he looked past all of the stupid things that I did, that he looked past the selfishness, all of the times that I know to do right and I don't do it anyway. The times when I, I'm faced with a situation and my chest gets tight and my stomach turns into knots and I know that this is the wrong thing and I shouldn't be doing it and I do it anyway. And even though I don't, I don't vocalize the words, my actions at that point say, Oh, God, I know better than you at this moment. You know, I know you're God, but I got this. And then I usually wind up in a situation that, Why do you hate me? So I just want to challenge us this morning to understand that when we, we have those opportunities, some of you are going to go to a restaurant when you leave here today. And some of your waitresses are going to spill drinks on you. They're going to get your order wrong. They've had a bad day. Maybe they had an argument with their spouse. Maybe they've got a kid that's homesick. Maybe there's, I don't know. And they're going to mess up your order. And you have a choice to make. You can tell them that they're stupid and that they, you know, they mess up your, if, if they, they, they get the change wrong, you know, we can, we can make some creative response like, can you, count to, can you count higher than 10 without taking your shoes off? Or we can say, you know what? It's not a big deal. You know, don't worry about it. Hey, if they spill, they spill coffee. I remember one year I was going to I was going to district council, which is a you know big Simmons of God thing. And so we're dressed in our suits and we're at dinner beforehand, and the lady spills Thousand Island salad dressing all over my lap. And um, <laughs> and then she brings a rag and starts to wipe it, and then she stops and says, "You do it." And so and so anyway, so I clean so I clean the salad dressing. and get it up. And I had a choice to make. I am here representing thousands of ministers that are in town this particular weekend in Florida. We're in Lakeland, Florida for this thing. There are thousands of ministers there. And, and so I can say, you crazy, ignorant person, why did you, you know, or I could say, you know what, it's not a big deal. Um, orange kind of goes with black. It's okay, you know. And you make a joke to let this person know that I screw up too. It ain't a big thing. We can go to the store, and we, you know, there are people that, that haven't, you know, I, I, I love during Christmas time when everybody's frustrated and everything's there, and the cashiers have dealt with terrible people. All the, everybody's in a hurry, and people are in there, and they're fighting, and they're mad because of this, that, and the other, just to smile at them and say, 
Man, I hope you have a great day. Merry Christmas. Because we can change and make a ripple in people's lives by simply being Jesus. By simply, by simply loving people as God loved us. You've been listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. If you have a prayer need, our prayer team and pastoral staff would love to pray with you. You can send us your prayer requests by using the email address prayer at church2911.com. If you would like to know more about our church, including information about our weekly services, please check out church2911.com. Thank you for listening. We hope you know that God has an amazing dream for you. And as always, we dare you to dream.